you know, our founders, they're so curious, they're supportive, they're, they're there whenever we reach out to them. It's funny now, they look at us and they'll make a comment, they'll like, wow, I, I can't get over where you've taken us. It's so exciting. It's beyond what we would have thought of, but that's why we put you guys in charge next. And I said, I know, I, I'm so curious where the next generations are gonna lead VHB to. Hi, I'm Belded Mankus. Welcome to The Purposeful Strategist. The podcast that shifts the conversation about purpose and strategy from what organizations should do to what business leaders are doing and what they've learned along the way. In this episode, I'm very pleased to welcome back Mike Carriger, CEO of VHB, a generational company with a long-term mindset. Mike describes multiple elements needed to create the conditions for continued success in a rapidly changing world. He talks about the preparation they undertake so they can develop an effective strategy, the way they grow their future business leaders, and how they're helping enable their industry to have an even bigger impact in solving the significant problems we collectively face. Well, Mike, welcome back to The Purposeful Strategist. You were last here with us about a year ago, episode 44, which to me seems like a long time ago now, but <laughs> I know there's a lot in that episode worth going back to, and I hope anybody who's listening to this will. But just for those who maybe don't have the time right now, could you just say a little bit about VHB and what it does? Sure. I mean, we at VHB are you know, now you know, almost 2,000 strong, really kind of passionate professionals that brings together engineers, scientists, planners, designers. And together, we really work to deliver value to our clients, providing solutions that shape a more sustainable, resilient, and equitable communities. And we do this up and down the, the East Coast of the U.S. across about 30 offices. And we focus in you know, six markets, transportation agencies, real estate, institutions, which is college, universities, hospitals federal government sector, mostly in USDOT and the National Park Service, state and local governments, and then finally energy. And we deliver transportation, land development, planning and design, environmental and technology services. And we're going to do it in a very kind of integrated fashion of, of really understanding context and integrating the, the service and the expertise to Bring a holistic solution for our clients. And we've been fortunate to be doing this for about 44 years now. And we're just excited where we are and even more excited about our future. I know from our previous discussions, there's a lot of richness in what you just said. Maybe we'll get into some of the stuff that's underneath some of those words. Sure. But one of the things that really stuck with me from the last episode was you talking about how you'd realize energy was going to be a real big opportunity for you, a lot of value you could deliver there, but also kind of the recognition that it was going to be different. And this idea that you were going to focus on just certain selected parts of the U.S. That was it. You know, if somebody had a great idea about something somewhere else, you were going to have to say, at least not for now. Let's, let's do that. Would be very interesting to hear, you know, how both those have developed as well as digging into a little bit, any updates, refinements, both to your purpose and your strategy? Yeah, sure. You know, our purpose is kind of our core of who we are. So that's not something we look to modify or change or expand. I mean, that kind of touches everybody across the company and it's really kind of focused. And, and what we tend to do from that is explore, you know, how it informs our vision and strategy. 
Mm-hmm. So our purpose remains very focused there and, and gives us a lot of meaning in what we do and a lot of guidance. It's interesting right now where we've just kicked off in the last six weeks the strategic planning process for our next five-year horizon. And to your point around energy, we're seeing that as one of the primary areas that we want to do a lot more exploration and really kind of develop some key strategies around that. You know, as you said, we're looking at energy. That's one of, if you will, the world disruptors, I think, is the acceleration of the transition to a, you know, a cleaner energy portfolio. And that's where we see great opportunity for VHB because it informs and touches all of the clients in our markets. You know, people are thinking about, even if you're a transportation agency, how do I deal with electric vehicles and how do I ensure the the grid and the uh, charging stations are there in a supportive manner to to see what is now, you can really see the uptick in EV purchases and the concentrations of that in the US and around the world. So that's just one example of how it's a clean energy transition issue, but it's creating a challenge and therefore an opportunity to help our clients think about it just in the transportation sector. And that just multiplies as you think more broadly into transit and aviation. And then you kind of go down the list of our clients. So, you know, this year, as we're getting into strategy discussions, we're building off of last fall, we brought our nine member board and our executive committee and some key leaders from around the company. So we had about 45 people together and we did a foresight retreat, you know, which is something we do annually looking for a topic that's, you know, out there on the horizon that we're starting to try to get our heads around from a strategic perspective. And we invited an array of clients to spend the day with us, looking at the different elements of clean energy, having a kind of former New York City Department of Energy commissioner who's now, you know, working in the U.S. Department of Energy, you know, kind of talk to us about the challenges and the outlook for, you know, how a major city, a metropolitan area, you know, onto the U.S. will be thinking about transition in the transportation sector around clean energy. And then also thinking about the role of natural gas in the transition of the portfolio over a longer period of time. And so those discussions and then bringing in kind of some futurists and looking out on how this might play out over the next decade gave us a really rich day of discussion that it allowed the entire executive committee and board to raise their awareness. So we had a good platform to start discussions this year on how we would develop strategies over the next five years to advance that portion of our business. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things you talked about in there is bringing in futurists. And I think a lot of organizations wrestle with how do you get sort of outside what you know? I'm just curious how you pick who to work with. What were you looking for from them? Um, it's one of those topics that fascinate me. So I'm always kind of looking and reaching out and reading different people who are exploring scenarios of the future. It's not about finding somebody with a crystal ball, but it's usually about finding someone who is really exploring potential scenarios, you know, kind of looking at trends, trying to extract from them and construct scenarios of what might play out in the future. Because I think it's, it's not about pinpointing the exact answer of the future, but it's kind of exercising your brain to a broader array of possibilities of how might this play out and what are the clues that you would notice early on that would tell you that a given scenario is starting to play out. And so I kind of look for people that aren't predicting as much as exploring 
and willing to explore scenarios of how different trends are coming together and might play out and avoid predicting, but giving you insights into if you see these things happening, it's likely that this scenario is starting to play out. So it's, it gives you kind of a heads up, I think, or it gives you something to watch for to understand, which can inform your strategy to, okay, if we're moving in this direction, then these are the things I should be doing. And in doing that, are you then trying to develop strategies sort of behind the one that seems to be emerging? Or are you more saying, we need to come up with something that it sort of doesn't matter which of these scenarios we've been looking at, whichever one plays out, it'll position as well. It seems to me one's a, a much harder one, the second one, much harder to come up with. Yeah. What we tend to look for is what is common among the scenarios, you know, because the scenarios are usually playing something would play out over five, 10 years we're looking in that kind of three to five year range of what we can be doing to move there. So we're looking for what are the likely common traits of a group of scenarios that puts us in the best position to really capitalize on those things. And, and that, that's challenging, but you've got to do the homework of, you know, almost breaking it down into a number of kind of two dimensional matrices and then look for the commonalities as you're exploring, okay, this might be a scenario that says significant federal investment in clean energy and interest on the private sector. And so you're looking at, at those two sectors where you say, you know, there could be federal scenario that's increasing funding this way, but there could be political backlash or kind of you know, a nationalist perspective that might be slowing down something. And you're looking for where are the commonalities under the way those scenarios play out that would afford an opportunity for VHB to be well positioned to inform our clients. And in, including the clients in that discussion and evaluation is really important too. Mm, it sounds like you had some external speakers, but not just at this foresight event, but more broadly, how do you bring the customer into it? You know, we're always trying to work with our clients in a way that they recognize we're trying to understand their long-term goals and not just execute an individual project for them. We want to understand the, the context of their long-term mission so that we have the best understanding of how to address this project, but understand how this project might interact or, or unlock opportunities for them going forward. And as a client starts to realize that and we're able to develop a relationship with a client, we can say, hey, we're working with an array of clients in this field. Let's bring together a roundtable where we can all learn from each other. And we'll either kind of host a roundtable, we'll be the ones putting out a series of questions for discussion, or we'll bring together a roundtable of clients and we'll bring in a speaker or a futurist so it's a learning opportunity for everyone. And our clients see that we really are trying to help them with their long-term goals and be seen more as a trusted advisor than just a team that executes a project and moves on. They're just as curious as we are about understanding future trends and how to best position their business. So it, it becomes a very healthy conversation. Yeah. Um, I, th I think you mentioned that you're now chairing the ACEC Research Institute. Have I got that right? Yeah. The American Consulting Engineers Council Research Institute, ACEC, is the association that really brings together the consulting engineering companies in the U.S. It's about 5,500 companies uh, representing about 800,000 people in the engineering consulting industry. And then if I've got it right, you're using that as another platform to kind of look at the future. Is that sort of what drew you to it? 
Yeah, one of the things we've been talking about in our industry is just that, is we're all so very busy day to day executing projects, running our businesses, and ACEC does an incredible job of kind of monitoring legislation, of giving guidance to firms on improving their operation. But the industry needed kind of a separate but related group to say, all right, we want you to just kind of look at that second and third horizon ideas of what we should be thinking about. How do we prepare the industry, you know, long-term for success? So this has allowed us to really put together a group that focuses around being the leading source of knowledge and, and thought leadership around creating a more sustainable, safe, and secure, and technically advanced built environment, and to deliver knowledge and business strategies that guide and elevate the engineering industry. It seems like you've managed to get yourself into a very interesting sort of spot there, where with your clients through VHB, you're kind of out talking to them and what they are seeing about the future. And then through the industry, you're sort of talking to people, some I'm sure are your competitors, others maybe aren't, but just a very sort of two views of it. They are. Yes. You know, I think my interest and curiosity in this field put me in a really interesting position where I was asked to help stand up, you know, this research institute. We're only about a little over three years old now. And the initial chair asked me to join him as the vice chair. And now we're kind of doing a, you know, a natural transition of the chair role. My interest in it was really thinking about where does our industry go in the next 10 to 15 years? Our industry historically has been incrementally evolving. You know, our industry hasn't changed that rapidly. The tools hadn't changed that rapidly. The relationships and the interaction with the clients, you know, have been pretty similar most of my almost 40-year career. But what we're seeing now with just the incredible rapid change in technology, the advent of AI, the more rapidly growing awareness of the changing of weather patterns, just changing the nature of what we need to be thinking about, just from a duty of care standpoint, in the way we think about and plan and design the nature of a changing workforce and kind of the whole mix of the advent of, of a hybrid employee, the clean energy transition, the recognition of the need to decarbonize infrastructure, all of these things are stimuli that are going to rapidly change what we need to be delivering and how we need to deliver solutions for our clients. So the Research Institute, you know, is exploring that and kind of exploring this idea of, you know, if you were looking to prepare a company for 2035, you know, what are those areas of research that you would be doing now to, to properly prepare and inform firm leaders and an industry out there on the horizon. We're getting underway with that now. We've been engaging people outside of our industry, but who understand our industry and having them just do a kind of an environmental scan of saying, what are those issues that are going to be impacting society 10 to 15 years out that will then change what is being asked of us as an industry to kind of continue to help to improve the built environment in our communities? That has generated an array of awareness issues for us that now we're getting industry leaders. We came together with about 40 of them about a month ago to digest this initial kind of white paper uh, that this kind of think tank really put together for us. And there were five major areas that we're looking at, you know, sustainability and, and resiliency design woven into everything that we would take on as an industry, 
you know, revisiting and reinforcing the, the case for investment in the built environment. You know, in, in, in the U.S., the percentage of federal budget and, and GDP that's invested in infrastructure has declined. You know, looking at the whole industry transformation perspective around data, technology, and the emerging trends, and then also recognizing that the cultural competence and the challenge of educating a workforce to not just be focused on the technical execution of the engineering principles, while that's extremely important as a foundation, it's more about how do I make sure I'm asking the right question and solving the right element, which takes in that cultural confidence around the education. And then and how do you weave that into you know, the, the future education culture of our, of our nation? So those are kind of the big five areas that we see impacting that, that need some homework and research. And now this industry insights team of about 40 CEOs from across the industry are coming together to kind of sort through that and identify specific areas of research to undertake. Mm-hmm. You know, Mike, that's that's really exciting and interesting in and of itself. But I think it's also interesting as an example of, of something that I think is going to happen more and more. Uh, I mean, it's not unique, it's not new, but I think even more so is that both in industries and across industries, organizations, so often competitors, are, are realizing that the problems we face are so big and so uncertain and coming at us so quick that we can't afford to sort of try and tackle it all one by one. That we've got to find ways to coordinate and collaborate, which is exactly what I think you're doing there. It's very true. The complexity and our awareness of that complexity, that nothing is just a project, but it's one component of a much more systematic element of things happening. You know, in each of our firms in doing our own work, we really need to come together and collaborate and look at that big picture to better inform ourselves so that our industry is sustainable 10 to 15 years from now and can be positioned as you know, people who really are seen as trusted advisors, not just people who execute an engineering function along the line. That's where the fun is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm a little curious over the last year or so, I mean, I know you're heading into a process to look at your strategy for the next period of time, but, you know, if you had to characterize what progress has been like on the strategy you've got, does it seem like it's moving along the way you'd like? Have certain things maybe made more progress than you would have hoped? Have some things held it back? Has China, the Ukraine, any of that made any difference to you? Sort of how's all that been? There's two interesting things that spur to mind. The one idea we talked a lot about last time was this idea of concentrated focus, you know, in kind of the the key major metropolitan areas in the three eastern mega regions in the US and the discipline to maybe not chase shiny objects all around the country because the infrastructure funding that came out of you know the IIJA and the, the additional bills early in, in this current administration that have been funding infrastructure and put it on a really strong course for the next five years meant there was limitless opportunities across the country in, in our market. Our discipline though has allowed us, you know, we talked about the concept of prominence. If you're gonna be somewhere, let's invest the, the time and the focus to build deep relationships, to bring together a team of informed experts and leaders in the different areas that the PHP focuses on and understand deeply the context of each of those kind of cities and major metropolitan areas. So we've seen these two things, the funding and our prominence come together in a way that we've long sought and being more prominent in more of our offices than we've 
ever been at the same time that we saw a healthy market on both the public sector and the private sector over the last two years. It's starting to, I think, you know, moderate a bit on the, the private sector investment. We've had record-setting years for organic backlog growth and project execution growth. Our net revenue is growth in high double digits last year. We're already this year looking at a 13 to 15% organic growth rate. Our backlog has grown 25% year over year. We have grown our team. Besides the external strategy, the internal strategic imperative about creating a, a home really for the most inspired and innovative people and a place that people can see themselves and be comfortable bringing their whole selves to work at VHB. Yes, it's been challenging recruiting, but we've been very fortunate to grow our team significantly. And, um, you know, those investments over time of creating a place where people, you know, felt comfortable growing their career, felt comfortable being who they are, and that they'd have an opportunity to work on some of the most exciting projects continues to draw people at the entry level, but also, you know, at a senior level for people who want to be part of a company that's owned by key employees, that's creating opportunities for us to grow, that's thinking about how do we not just win this year, but how do we create this generational company that's on a long arc of success, thinking about, yes, we need to be responsible this year, but we need to be investing strategically for next year and making sure that we're putting the company in position for the next generation of people who will lead VHB to someplace we might not even have contemplated from a point. So those things have all kind of come together and I think and, and reinforced the value of our strategic investments, the value of our discipline in staying focused on them and not kind of chasing shiny objects. And we've been able to reward our people really well. We've been able to kind of grow the stock value for our 25% of our key employees who you know, are owners of the company and given people new opportunities to take on bigger challenges. And we're seeing some of our kind of rising stars across the company kind of grow in their awareness of what's happening in the marketplace, but understanding this bigger picture of the generational company as well. So as we went into the strategic planning process this year, you know, and putting together a strategic planning committee, we're bringing in people at the younger level, two, three, four levels into the organization one, because they're bringing really creative new ways of looking at things for us, but also as a way to help them with their, you know, kind of leadership development, help them understand how we go about strategic planning, you know, because the next or the second strategic planning cycle on the horizon, they could be sitting in my seat leading this thing. You know what I love about what you talk through there is is the sense of a reinforcing virtuous cycle that, you know, kind of every time it goes around, it gets better and it gets better. Prominence brings you great people, great people build a great organization, great organization, you know, you, kind of you can just see how it all reinforces each other. You know, our founders, they're so curious, they're supportive, they're, they're there whenever we reach out to them. It's funny now, they look at us and they'll make a comment, they're like, wow. I can't get over where you've taken us. It's so exciting. It's beyond what we would have thought of, but that's why we put you guys in charge next. And I said, I know, I'm so curious where the next generations are going to lead VHB to. And it's that kind of thread of excitement, pride, humility to realize the next generation is going to do something that you didn't even contemplate, but hopefully you're giving them the, the background and perspective to put them in a position to take us there. Mm -hmm. Well, I think one of the tensions we talked about 
previously, just be interested to see where you've gotten to on it is, you know, that, that on the one hand, you need people who are really brilliant at whatever their technical discipline is, and really if they've got a passion for it. And, and yet you also need people who somehow can step away from that and go, well, that's great, and I'm good at that, but actually I want to lead and grow a business, which is a different discipline. Just curious how you're navigating through that. First, I go back to an underline that you said, it's, it's, it's looking for people with passion. Sometimes they don't even realize it. And so you need to give them opportunities to realize that there is more to what we're doing than just completing that planning or that engineering or that environmental science task. And it's by giving them exposure and connecting our successes to strategies or ideas that we've laid out in the past and how they're coming to fruition. That's a big part of you know, me and the leadership team and our communications teams to help us tell those stories as a way to inspire that in people or inspire that in someone who might have a very, you know, kind of STEM-focused education, but help widen their view and perspective and see which one of them want to be more involved. And sometimes, you know, it, it takes a few tries to get somebody comfortable to come out of their their comfort zone in a technical area and help them realize that, hey, all the accumulated knowledge that you have, when you put it into a broader context, creates new and different ideas. And let me get you who are really good at this one element to talk to two or three people who are really good at their element. And I'll bet those three areas of expertise will come up with five great ideas that then each of you can explore. It's creating opportunities for that awareness to happen for people you know, invest in people along the way. And then you also, you're looking for some people who from those experiences then take the initiative. You know, I, I've done a lot of um, sports coaching through my life. The parallels I think between coaching and being a, a good leader in this business are so similar because you really are trying to bring the best out in your entire team and help people find parts of themselves that they didn't even know they had. And then encouraging them to explore them and improve them, and then let them run. Let them understand the context, give them the tools, and then let them self-navigate going forward. From what you've said, I suspect there are some people who, once they've been exposed to that broader context and they do have a chance to get more involved in it, surprise themselves by both how good they are at it and how much they enjoy doing it. Yeah. I mean, that was it for me. I I love doing highway and, and track design, and I just found so much pleasure diving into that. But then when I was asked to help contribute to a proposal and the brainstorming that went on in the proposal effort, I'm like, oh, wow, I, I didn't know this was a thing. This is really fun. And you know what I mean? So it's, it's about exposing people to different things, and that put me in the position I am now. Yeah. I'd be very interested to know what over the last year or so has surprised you most. What's happened or not happened that you weren't expecting? We did a foresight session on AI and AI-related ideas that were germinating back in 20, I want to say it was 2018. And so our strategic plan for 2020 and then the subsequent one, we always had technology in there as a key element. And so we were doing a lot of research along the way. We were investing in different types of ideas and experiments in VHB, but the outburst of ChatGPT this past year and how that immediately went to the top of everybody's 
mining conversations about AI and where AI is going. I think the rapidity of that change was the biggest thing that surprised us. It didn't scare us. We've been thinking about it, looking at it, investing in different elements about model-based design, about you know, kind of exploring big data and machine learning. But I think the quantum leap that became obvious to everybody, you know, when OpenAI turned on ChatGPT, I think that was the biggest thing. It had us kind of sit back for a second and say, okay, okay, let, don't, don't panic. We've talked about this. We've thought about this a few weeks ago. Let's put together an AI policy and share it with our people and also convey, look, this is an incredible opportunity. This isn't something to be afraid of. You know, let's start thinking of this. And I know the inquisitive type of people around the company. There's a lot of people in our company quietly, some not so quietly, experimenting with chat GPT, you know, AI elements to do some initial tasks or to start the ball rolling on a writing assignment or explore an idea for how to present some information. So we wanted to roll out this AI policy just around privacy and security, kind of a fairness, accountability and transparency and and also how we're going to be doing education training so that we could encourage our people to say, hey, this is going to take all of us figuring this out. So go ahead. Let's experiment a little bit. Do it within a framework of guidelines that make sense for us. We're going to all learn from this. But this has an enormous opportunity to capitalize on that. You know, last year, I think we talked about data informed and technology empowered. This is it playing out for us. So. We've done a lot of the groundwork. Now let's capitalize on that investment and groundwork and start to think about how it can benefit you know, our processes, our ability. When you play it out in the long term, we see it as giving us more opportunities to explore a varied array of alternatives before diving into carrying something through follow design. We see this as a great opportunity to spend more time on asking better to get to the right questions rather than quickly trying to race to an answer so that we can have the time to execute the design. Now let's spend more time understanding the issues, the nuances, the context, the interconnectivities, the systemic elements, and then be able to capitalize on those things that we can do with AI in the future. This is a great opportunity for us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What's been the most difficult part, last sort of 12 months or so? One of the things we talked about with our people is the geopolitical conflicts, you know, challenges in the economy with inflation, rising interest rates, they've thrust into everybody's first thoughts as they either check their phone or they might be listening to TV or a podcast in the morning, kind of getting ready for their day, this panic of what was going to happen to our business. And, you know, we've been, you know, kind of exploring them, looking for the trends and We've had to remind our people and even our, our industry that what happens on the front page of a newspaper or the, the lead story you know, in a news feed is different than what's happening in our industry right now. The funding on the public sector side, which is us is about 60% of our business, you know, that funding is in place and it's secure and it's sound for a number of years. So the projects that are being advertised now, are well-funded going forward. We continue to see our clients putting projects out there, which is why our backlog continues to grow. You know, and even on the private sector side, you know, last year there was this 
exuberance in the private sector market and, and real estate development investment. We see more rational decisions being made, but it's not like everything has stopped. But if you read the headlines of the paper, you might think that. And again, our focus in specific geographies and specific markets has allowed us to be one of the top few competitors there, and our clients still need us. And so reminding our people that, no, we still have a runway. It'll be 18 months, 24 months before something happens on the front page that we might start to feel it in a procurement cycle down the line. And so just trying to get our people to kind of take a deep breath, recognize that difference between what you're being bombarded with every day and where we are in our business cycle. And so that's been the hardest thing, kind of alleviating everybody's concerns about what they get bombarded with first to, no, let's sit down and look at where our clients are in their cycles. Let's look at the solid funding in our industry. And we're actually continue to be in one of the healthiest markets since I've come into this business almost 40 years ago. So that, that's been a challenge. And communicating with our people about those things, again, helps prepare them over time, understand the interrelatedness of these things, you know, so that again, when they're leading the company down the line, they have the benefit of understanding how we thought about these things and how we've communicated them and how we've prepared the business for them not just living day to day, week to week. When we talked a year or so ago, at least one bit of advice that I asked you about was what advice would you give to other business leaders? And it seemed to me it was mostly, you know, if, if we're talking about purpose, don't just start with a blank sheet of paper. Give people something to respond to. Is there anything additional that you might offer in the way of advice to a CEO who's trying to navigate through all this? Um. I think I'd go back to what we talked about earlier um, in this conversation is the further you kind of move up the, the leadership ranks, continue to spend more of your time looking outside and around the company at what's happening to society and how that translates to you know, the communities around you, which informs what you're going to be asked of by your clients. And then help translate that for your people so they have a, a better context to think about how to execute that purpose, how to develop strategies to do that, how to understand what's happening and the things around them. And it, it's not that you ever get to the point that you understand it all, but at least you bringing that in and engaging your team and engaging people throughout the company in those conversations allows all of us to kind of come up with scenarios that we might not have contemplated or ways to think about things or when to see an opportunity brewing in its earliest little shimmer, you know, maybe before some of your competitors do and put you in a place to capitalize on that. You know, it's very easy to work in the business, but it's good to work on the business and outside the business as well. Yeah. Yeah. What haven't we talked about you think we ought to touch on? I think right now, you know, you, you just go down the list and we've touched on some of them, you know, the geopolitical challenges of, you know, whether it's, you know, the, the Ukraine war or it's U.S. And, and China or NATO and, you know, the European countries and China. You see that playing out in headlines constantly. The discussions around AI, you know, the changing nature of, of the energy transformation. And in some ways it can be paralyzingly scary. But I think for us and the people I work with in VHB, in our industry, 
it's an incredibly unique and exciting opportunity to kind of help make some sense about what's going on around us and ensure that at the most basic level, we're helping our communities. You know, there's so much that gets kind of put in place by virtue of the built environment and how you plan and, and build your communities that allow people to connect at the most basic level. And, and the more we do a better job at that, the more opportunities it is for economic opportunity, social connection for people, mobility for people, you know, kind of stewardship for the environment. Most of those things are the reasons many of the people in our industry, I know at VHB, went to school because you had a passion for those things. And I think more than any other time in my career, we have the opportunity to have a bigger impact um, than we've ever had before. The more we understand the context and the more we're willing to understand and embrace some of the new technologies, we can do an even better job than we ever have at, at creating some solutions that really are sustainable and resilient, create kind of safety and security in our communities, and help all of us put the world in a better place. I'm pretty excited. You know, Mike, every time we talk, I walk away inspired. Thank you so much. Belden, thank you very much. I appreciate it. I always enjoy our conversations. Pleasure to have you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Purposeful Strategist. Please email any questions or suggestions to belden at mancus.com. In addition to being available on our website, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. If you enjoyed this episode, we release a new episode weekly. Don't forget to subscribe. Thanks again, and join us soon for the next episode of The Purposeful Strategist. <laughs>